Welcome to Wrestling with Theology. My name is Doug Minton. I am your host. I am the pastor at Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, as well as a lifelong wrestling fan. Wrestling with Theology wrestles with the history of pro wrestling as well as the theology of the Lutheran Church. Welcome to Wrestling with Theology, where we wrestle with the history of professional wrestling, but also with the theology of God's Word. I am Pastor Doug Minton, the host of this podcast. I thank you for joining me today. I know that not everyone who subscribes to this podcast is a lifelong wrestling fan like myself. To help with understanding the jargon used in wrestling, I'm providing a short glossary of many of the words I'll use in talking about wrestler and promotional profiles or what's happening at Green Friday Wrestling. I'll take a couple of words each week to define with some connection in between the two. Today's words are territory and promotion. In wrestling's golden age, there were dozens of regional territories around the country. Each one had a specific area and were typically tied to a central arena. The World Wrestling Federation was originally New England in the Northeast out of Madison Square Garden. The CWA was Memphis and also Louisville, but primarily out of the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis. Georgia Championship Wrestling out of Atlanta was stationed out of the Omni. Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling covered the Carolinas and Virginia, primarily based out of Charlotte Coliseum. And world-class championship wrestling in Dallas had the Sportatorium. The promoters in these were the guys who were in charge, the bosses of the territories. These guys were the ones who brought in wrestlers and told wrestlers when their time was up. Some of the greatest promoters ever were Vern Gagne, Jim Crockett, Bill Watts, Fritz Von Erich, Vince McMahon, and Jerry Jarrett. You'll hear these names over and over again as we go through the history. As we get into today's wrestling profile, I want to start off with the Robbinsdale Seven, but really before I get to them, I need to talk about their common influence in getting into the world of pro wrestling, and that would be Vern Gagne's American Wrestling Association. The AWA was based out of Minneapolis from 1960 until 1991. It grew out of a territory that had been in Minneapolis since 1933. It became a charter member of the National Wrestling Alliance in 1948, but went independent with a few other territories in 1960. Some of these territories were Indianapolis, Winnipeg, Denver, San Francisco, and Omaha. They left the NWA because there was trouble between getting the NWA to allow Pat O'Connor to defend the title against Vern Gagne in Minneapolis. Of course, Vern, being the promoter in Minneapolis, wanted Pat O'Connor to drop the title to him, but the rest of the NWA did not want to have Gagne as the world champion. The AWA had great potential as it focused on old-school wrestling, but Gagne typically focused on one wrestler at a time. Until his retirement in 1981, it was him. After he retired, he focused on Nick Bockwinkle. And this quickly came to a head as Ganya retires in 1981. And 1982 through 84, Bockwinkle has a huge botched feud 
with Hulk Hogan. Ganya refused to let Hogan have the world title. This led Hogan to leaving the AWA to join the WWF, where he was freely given a world title reign. Many people left the AWA following Hogan to WWF. Vern tried to regain the previous glory through a cooperation with territories like Georgia Championship Wrestling and Mid-Atlantic and Mid-South and Memphis, calling themselves Pro Wrestling USA. But it didn't last long because Vern wanted complete control. Eventually, people stopped going to AWA events in favor of NWA or WWF events as they came into the territory. Finally, the AWA was down to such little talent that Larry Zabisco, Vern's son-in-law, was pushed as the final champion. Vern filed for bankruptcy in 1991 after even Zabisco left for greener pastures. In between Bockwinkle and Zabisco, you had one of the Robbinsdale Seven. You had Kurt Henning, better known by most wrestling fans probably as Mr. Perfect from his run in the WWF. But Kurt Henning was the guy in between Bockwinkle and Zabisco that Ganya tapped to be the guy in the promotion. But that was the problem. The AWA is one of those promotions that was created primarily around one person, Vern Gagne. Gagne was an established amateur wrestler representing the U.S. in the 1948 Olympics. His biggest problem as a promoter was forcing the bookers to give him the AWA world title 10 times. There's no denying Vern's ability in the ring. He'd also won titles in Chicago, Texas, and Oklahoma with other promoters. The one thing that Vern did wonderfully, though, that other promoters failed at was not pushing his son Greg as a world champion. Greg was a good wrestler, but he was better as a tag team wrestler than a single wrestler. I believe Vern saw this reality and pushed him in that direction. While Greg had world title shots, his greatest singles accomplishment was his two reigns as the AWA International Television Champion. His best success and well-deserved came as one half of the High Flyers with Jim Brunzel. This tag team had two title reigns, one for 443 days, the other for 742 days. While not one of my favorite tag teams, they were a great team to watch. They were an early version of another tag team that would get their first success in the AWA. The Midnight Rockers, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Jannetty. The AWA's major titles included the AWA World Heavyweight title, with Vern Gagne being the one who held it the most times and held it the longest. The AWA World Tag Team titles were also highly contested, as Crusher and Dick the Bruiser held the title five times for a total of 1,325 days. Crusher himself held the tag team titles the most times with nine. Now you get to the Southern heavyweight title, and then you get the mix between Vern Gagne and Jerry Jarrett. Uh, the Southern heavyweight title was basically booked only in Memphis. The AWA kept the name on it. Uh, Jerry Lawler held the AWA Southern heavyweight title on 52 different occasions. Uh, the Southern tag team titles, same story. The fabulous ones, Stan Lane and Steve Kern, held those titles 15 different times for a total combined reign of just over a year. And again, there was one guy who far and away had the most 
title reigns as a tag team wrestler, and that was the great Tojo Yamamoto with 35 separate title reigns. This leads to the question, could the AWA have been better? Absolutely. Could it have become a national promotion like WCW and WWF? They tried, but Vern was a bit behind the times and too controlling for it to work. Would things have been different had Vern given Hogan a title reign? I firmly believe that was Vern's fatal flaw. Everything in the AWA started to unravel after Hogan left. The way Vern treated Hogan, while Hogan is my least favorite wrestler, was still not right as at least on four different occasions in the feud with Bockwinkle, Hogan had won the title only to have the title returned for some idiotic reason for a reversal. But again, that was Vern being in control. Let me catch my breath for a minute, sink back down into my chair before we get into the confessional corner in a moment. Welcome to the Confessional Corner. On the first Wednesday of the month, we will take this portion of the podcast to talk about the Lutheran Confessions. Today, we'll talk about what the Lutheran Confessions are. What is this Book of Concord that we talk about? This congregation accepts and confesses all the canonical books of the Old and New Testament as the inspired Word of God, and all the symbolical books of the Evangelical Lutheran Church contained in the Book of Concord of 1580, as a correct presentation and true exposition of Christian doctrine drawn from and in full agreement with the Holy Scriptures. Hence, no doctrine shall be taught or tolerated in this congregation which is in any degree at variance with the following symbols of the Evangelical Lutheran Church the unaltered Augsburg Confession and its Apology, the small called articles, Luther's catechisms, both large and small, and the formula of Concord. We further set forth that according to this norm of doctrine and faith, all controversies which may arise in the congregation shall be decided and adjusted. 
Most every Lutheran congregation's constitution contains these words. Likewise, the call documents for every LCMS pastor begins in the name of the triune God and by his authority, in order that we may carry out his mission to the world, we hereby authorize and obligate you to administer to us the word of God in its full truth and purity as contained in the sacred scriptures of the Old and New Testaments and as set forth in the confessional writings of the Evangelical Lutheran Church as found in the Book of Concord. But what are the symbolic books of the Evangelical Lutheran Church? What is this Book of Concord? The Book of Concord was published on June 25th, 1580, the 50th anniversary of the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. The Book of Concord brings together confessional statements and standards from 15 centuries of church history. The Book of Concord begins with the three ecumenical creeds that all Christian churches subscribed to at the time of the Reformation. The oldest of the creeds is called the Apostles' Creed. It dates back to baptismal creeds used in Rome in the 2nd century. With the rise of various heresies, Roman Emperor Constantine called together all the bishops of the church to a council in Nicaea, modern-day Iznik, Turkey, in 325. At this council, a document was drafted to express the orthodox faith of the church. This document became known as the Nicene Creed. It is an expansion of the Apostles' Creed in answer to the heresies that had arisen. The Athanasian Creed was also written against the Arians to oppose their heretical views on the Trinity. It takes its common name from St. Athanasius of Alexandria, who taught against Arius. The text of the Creed, though, most likely came from southern Gaul, France, in the late 5th or early 6th century, a century after Athanasius. The Creed focuses on the unity and equality of the Trinity, as well as what was necessary to know about Jesus for salvation. The next two documents historically are Luther's Large and Small Catechisms of 1529. The Large Catechism was developed from series of sermons Luther preached throughout the year on the six chief parts, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, the Lord's Supper, and Confession and Absolution. The small catechism is an abridgment of the large catechism for teaching this faith to children. In 1530, Holy Roman Emperor Charles V called an imperial diet at Augsburg. This was designed to reunite the Roman Catholics and the Protestants so that Charles could focus on the impending invasion of the Turks into Europe. On June 25th, in accordance to Charles's edict, the Lutheran delegation gave the confession of their faith in 28 articles. 21 of those articles explaining what the Lutheran churches believe, teach, and confess. The other seven speaking about the abuses that had crept into the church that the Lutherans had taken out. This day, June 25, 1530, is typically considered the birthday of the Lutheran church. The papal delegation quickly came back with a confutation of the Lutheran Confession. The papal delegation declared that the Lutheran princes must accept their confutation, drop everything that they had been doing, and return to the Catholic Church or else. The Lutheran princes refused. And Philip Melanchthon, the author of the Augsburg Confession, responded with an apology or a defense of his original confession the following year. 
1536, a federation of Lutheran princes joined themselves together for defense against imperial troops. This confederation, known as the Smalkaldic League, had articles written as sort of a constitution for acceptance into this federation, because it was not just political, it was religious as well. Martin Luther wrote these articles for the confederation, but also as a last will and testament, hopefully to be presented at the next ecumenical council, which had been scheduled for 1537. That council didn't happen. And the Council of Trent that would happen after Luther's death was not anywhere near what Luther was hoping for with his small called articles. The following year, 1537, saw the publication of a treatise by Philip Melanchthon concerning the power and primacy of the Pope. Melanchthon intended on the treatise as an addendum to the Augsburg Confession, but it has usually been attached historically to the small called articles. The final document to be written and included in the Book of Concord is known as the Formula of Concord in 1577. It was compiled from several sources to bring about concord or peace between factions that had developed among the Lutherans. There are ten articles of conflict that had arisen in the Lutheran Church, some during Luther's lifetime, most of them after Luther's lifetime. Article 11 is about the doctrine of election. Article 12 is an anathema of all those outside of the church. This document takes each side of the argument to task and brings them back to the Bible and the earlier confessions. There are two versions of the formula, the solid declaration and the epitome. The solid declaration was written first, and the epitome was written as a condensation of the solid declaration. The epitome is typically in bullet point list of theses and antitheses. What Lutherans believe, teach, confess against what we reject and condemn. These are the Lutheran confessions. This is what you can find in the Book of Concord of 1580. When we get started next month, we will look at the first of those, the Apostles' Creed, to see what it says, why we believe it, and where it comes from in the Bible. I thank you for your time in listening to this podcast today. I hope that it has been a blessing to you in your knowledge of wrestling history, but also in the knowledge of what the Lutheran confessions are and what it is that we Lutherans believe, teach, confess. I bid you God's peace until next week.